And welcome into another edition of the Big Red Blue Podcast. Um, we are excited to be back. It's been like three weeks, man. Three weeks. It's my co-host Jacob Lane. My name is Presley Meyer. Alongside me, I have uh, Alex Stengel, and we have the long-awaited arrival of um, our longtime guest. Now, I think officially part of the show. Yeah, right. Keith yeah. Wynn. How are you, Keith? I'm good. Thanks for having I me. I think uh, this is over. number four appearance, right? So yeah. In this, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Number four, that would put you in the top five, probably. I think there's, numbers of I don't think there's anybody that's appeared more than maybe. 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 Yeah, yeah, right, right. We'll Here. have to give him one of those SNL robes for like his fifth time, like the five member club, yeah. whatever that is. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they come out on stage with like this like purple, like velvet, like robe. And it's for like okay. basically any big celebrity that. They need a filler, and they're like, "Hey, you've on, you've been on here four times." Yeah, so I'm not that big of an SNL fan to know that, but no. that's that's good knowledge that you're dropping on this Saturday yeah. morning. There's we'll, a, we'll there's a work five on timers it. club. Yeah, we'll here, work on here's there. a good here's a good question for you. So, have you guys ever listened to anyone just like be like, "Welcome to the podcast, welcome to the show." How are you today? And somebody just go, "I'm just terrible." <laughs> like like, why do we even ask that? Like, hey, Keith, how are you? What do you think Keith's just gonna go? Well, look, you know, man, it's a my, tough night. My kids had me up all night. <laughs> Um, but thanks for having me, anyways. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have been truthful. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm tired. Yeah, know. if I was being truthful, this morning we gave my my two year old her birthday presents, and one of them was a baby shark um, set of bath toys. And my daughter is obsessed with baby shark. Like, I think every kid, she knows all five. the words. Yeah, right. bandwagon Nats fan. Yeah, yeah. So this morning we tried to take them back. It was the first thing we gave her. And we spent an hour just trying to get the first gift of like five back, and she was in full on meltdown because we were taking the baby sharks. Like, so this morning has been rather stressful, but I wasn't going to lead with that. I'll tell you now, but I wasn't going to lead with it. So how are you? How are you, Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> My hair is going gray by the by the second. Look, we'd be remiss if we had Keith in here and we didn't talk about table tennis. I'm just going if we didn't talk about football because Keith is the resident football expert. Um, a lot of Good stuff going on within the football program, yeah. um, in, in my assessment. Um, I was just writing yesterday about how I feel, in my mind, that the football team has basically effectively um, skipped a year of, of the rebuilding process. And again, there could be setbacks. Hell, they could finish the season 5-7 and seven or whatever. They could be you know awful next year during a rebuild. But I don't think that's going to happen And from, from what I've seen. Um, so I think it's uh, it's been... As terrible as last year was, I feel like it's almost worth it with as bad as it was how quickly UofL got things turned around. Um, but I wanted to get more into kind of – we haven't discussed really the Clemson game. Mm -hmm. We haven't gotten a chance to discuss the Virginia game at all. Right. So I want to hear your all's takeaways a little bit um, specifically from I, – I didn't really get a chance to sit down and watch the full Clemson game, and I think it was just – there's some maybe I'm not a big enough fan like Keith is <laughs> to sit down and just put me put myself through the pain of of watching my team get blown out for a second time. But um, it, it really wasn't that bad though. I don't it, know. It was. I thought we enjoyed. We, we were, stayed up until right at the very end. Yeah, I mean, we I were, thought they were competitive all along. Even like when so. they were getting beat 45 to 10. If if that score, if we walked out of there, or if I hadn't been watching and I looked up and the score was forty five to thirty two or th forty five thirty five, I would have believed it because yeah. Louisville looked like a team that could compete with them. Yeah, I think that you know offensively they they really struggled in the first half, um, but defensively I think they played really well. I mean, you know, you pick mm -hmm. off Trevor Lawrence a couple times, right. you get a couple stops. Uh, they held those Clemson receivers to eleven and a half yards per catch for the game. I mean, right. and that includes the. 
the 61 yarder that Amari Rogers had where, right. where he broke a tackle. So, I mean, you, you take that away and you're talking about shutting down right. the best receiving core, one of the two best receiving cores in the country. I think that's something to hang their head on, especially with how the defense has had some struggles. So, I, I think that you know the score looked worse than it really was. Right. Is that right? You know, because it's forty-five to ten. It's Clemson. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but you know, I think that somebody pointed out. Uh, I think it was David Hill. I think he pointed out that you know they probably played Clemson better, better than, than almost everybody. This yeah. Year. So, besides North Carolina, obviously, it yeah, took them down so to the wire. I think that that's something to hang your head on in this year. You know, yeah. going forward, yeah, you want to close that gap, but. I mean, nobody expected them to be any good this year. Yeah, so I and, think and that's a huge thing. With that game, you're also talking about, I think, at least four plays that I can remember. If they did something else, yeah. it would have been a completely different game, right? So Tutu right. Atwell drops that first pass, from, or doesn't drop that pass from Evan Conley, which was a touchdown. That ball was 100%. perfect. Yeah. He doesn't drop that touchdown. That uh, that bomb that Clemson threw, I can't remember if it was at the end of the first half or if it was the early second half where they just, I mean, he lobbed yeah, it up. It looked like Louisville was going to pick it off. I mean, they had three players around. I don't know who, was that Amari Rogers that caught Justin, that touchdown? Yeah. So they had three guys right there. And I'm like, oh, that's an interception. Somehow nah. Justin Ross comes down with the ball. He caught that ball at the, at the goalpost. Right. I mean, that's insane. You just, yeah. You know, that's, it's, but they just have those kind of athletes. And yeah. I was about to say, that's just the difference between Clemson and everybody exactly. else. That's right. a perfect I mean, example of that kind of play. Freshman. Year. He did that to Alabama, like it was. Right. Not, I mean, he dominated that game in the national championship game. So yeah. they have those kind of guys that you just kind of accept that they some of these things are gonna are gonna happen. Right. And right. you know, I think that if you can if you can hang with them, if if they don't make that play, which was a complete just throw it up and let your guy make a play kind of thing, that's ten nothing at half. That's a whole. You might be able to go into halftime and say, okay, guys, we have. We have them where we want them, right. so to speak. Make some adjustments, and maybe you have a chance to come out and score. Right. Then you have a 10-7 game. And Satterfield talked all week about just getting to the fourth quarter because that's what North Carolina was able to do. Just right. Like, just, just hang in, and then you're going to get your chance. And they just, unfortunately, that, that touchdown was huge. And yeah. the third quarter, just third quarter, I think it was still – uh, a, a two-score game. I yeah, think. yeah. I mean, so, they went in right. what seventeen to three at halftime, and I think they scored pretty quickly in the yeah, third it was, quarter. Twenty-four-three to end the third quarter. Yeah. Um, but I mean, legitimately, you could be talking about, um, and don't even get me started on on the whole muff punt thing. That's the stupidest rule. <laughs> I've never like, heard of that rule. Before. So, well, here, here's the thing about that rule. I think it should go out to the one-yard line, right? Yeah. Like, if that's if you want to make it as fair as possible, if they're gonna mess up that badly and muff the punt. Louisville should at least get some sort of benefit from that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Your right. punishment is the 25-yard line. Yeah. Exactly. If, if, he had, if he had fallen on that on the two-yard you know, line, down. it would have been down to the two-yard right. line. Right. So and you're essentially giving them free yardage because yeah. they went into the end zone. So I know there's rules about batted balls and such, and I'm not sure exactly um, how that works. Yeah. But in theory, if, the balls, if you're a punt returner and the ball's inside the five-yard line, could you not just muff it? You know, you know, like out of the back of the end zone. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, like, there's such a catch it yeah, and just kind of throw it backwards. There's so much ambiguity to the yeah. rule is, is what I'm saying. And I'm in, you know, on vacation, just spent thousands of dollars to fly to Florida with my family. And I'm like dragging them to Rainforest Cafe to find the one like 10 inch TV. And, and, <laughs> and I like the one crazy little fan in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Just like, what the hell? Like, just yeah, freaking no. out. But and it, Taylor's like, we're on vacation. Can you keep it down, please? No, life doesn't stop. Like, for... look, I'm sitting on animal butts yeah. at a bar. <laughs> Leave me alone, okay? Uh, it, th that play reminded me a lot of the Florida State game in 2014, I think it was. It was the year when Louisville got out to the big lead in the first half. There was a play where Louisville had the ball on the one-yard line, and they fumbled. 
So like it was Jeremy Smith. I think you I think you brought this up a couple yeah. times. The, so the, I think you're referring to the UCF game where I believe it was a tight end fumbled at the goal line and it hit the pylon and then by rule it was a turnover and UCF got the ball. No, so that's I know what okay. you're talking about, but that's not. No? So this one, okay. they, Louisville fumbled on the one yard line and I can't remember if they recovered or what happened, but they ended up giving. I think they recovered in the end zone. Louisville did. And they didn't call it a touchdown. Like they said that the so the runner fumbled the ball on the goal line. The ball went into the end zone. Louisville recovered it in the end zone. And somehow, uh, if I and I could be way off. I have a terrible memory, but somehow Florida State ended up stopping Louisville at the goal line because of it. They didn't roll it a touchdown. They said the ball was forward progress or something. It goes back to where the ball was fumbled. Yeah. So Louisville took the ball at the one yard line and yeah. true by Petrino fashion, they couldn't figure out a way to get it into the end zone on fourth and goal. Like. Yeah. Which is which is another part of the rules that always are, are very frustrating is that they're they're not always called the same way. Like that fumble mm-hmm. rule happens. People fumble into the end zone all the time, and the lineman lineman will drop jump on right. his touchdown. Right. Well, technically, you're supposed to go back to where the ball was fumbled, mm-hmm. but that doesn't. It happens sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. And there's no real yeah. reasoning why that changes sometimes. It's so. like I mean, there's been so many. Just in general in football, somebody fumbles on the forty-three yard line and the ball gets kicked and jumped and it ends up yeah. on the it ends up on the other thirty-five and they put the ball there. So it's like, oh, they just gained twenty-five yards. Yep. Okay, yeah. cool. So maybe we should just start fumbling and try to figure out a way where somebody else can go get it. I'm sure it's not going to normally work out like that, but it was just like, but again, it was plays like that. Like I feel like every time Louisville plays Clemson, and I think it's just like in basketball, Louisville against Kentucky. I feel like there's almost, uh, and, and again, these are guys, so maybe it's just me because I have to sit there and watch it every year and they get to you know move on with their lives. Um, but um, it, it feels like to me that there's a little bit more of a nervousness when they play Clemson. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of a James Quick running out of bounds. There's a little bit of a, of a not to bring up James Quick again, but, you know, not cutting to the sideline and, and making it to the end zone the first year they played down in Clemson. Like, there's always... There's a few plays that I can always look back against Clemson. Just think, like, if, you know, like, one, and again, I'm sure you could do this with a lot of other games, but I feel like specifically against Clemson, there's just so many, like, little mental mistakes. Like, like you said, 2-2 basically dropped two, like, gimme touchdown touchdown passes. Right, right. I mean, and if that happens, um, you know, if if they recover that muff punt in the end zone, um, which then Clemson on that same drive went down and scored, um, you know, they're – there are so many different things that that could completely turn the game right. on its head, um, and and again, like you said, forty-five ten is not indicative of how that game went. I mean, in reality, Louisville scored three points; they scored seven points in garbage time, but Clemson only really scored twenty-four, and I think that a lot of that was handed to them. And Louisville was got behind in field position; um, they kind of were got into a lot of situations where they had to pass the ball. Um, they only went eight for twenty-two well, on the on the game. I was going to say the ball. Keith, tell me what you think here. When you when you're playing against Clemson, I wouldn't expect you to run the football 43 times compared to throwing it just 22 times. Like that seems that it would be backwards. That you would want to throw the football, try to pick up big plays through the air, maybe some trick plays versus a defensive line that the last several seasons has been unstoppable. And you have a five foot eight running back who, you know, against Florida State struggled against a bigger defensive line. Clemson's defensive line averages out to like six three, two fifty five, or something like yeah. that. I mean, I think the I think. Towards the end of the game, they really got into you know let's get out of here mode. Mm-hmm. You know let's let's just run the run the ball, uh, and I think they 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 were running the ball well against you know Clemson's you know backups backups and, third strings you know, right. They mix in some starters still, and I, I know it's garbage time, it's garbage time, but 
I think that was kind of the the goal at the end because honestly, going at the end of the third quarter, they hadn't done anything well. I mean, yeah. On offense, on defense, I think yeah. they had done some good things, but on offense, they just couldn't get anything going. Um, and I think whenever you get to the point where they're they're having to do the straight, they're having to uh, do straight dropbacks and they can't run play action. They're just in a bad spot. Yeah, uh, because they're especially against Clemson with their pass rush. But right. In general, we don't. The offensive line is still not there where they're going to be. That's not what they excel at. Right. The the quarterbacks aren't. They're better with that timing on the play action stuff. They get to the top of their drop. They know the defense is going to be moving. They know the receivers are. When they're having to drop back and scan the field, Conley, I think, is still too young. I think it's going to come with him. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, Cunningham. That's just a. That's something he just hasn't excelled at. So. Right. Um, you know, I think that was where the issue was, but I think that at a point, Satterfield is like, okay, we can't let this game end up kind of, you know, taking going to the next game. And, right, and right. You're back there putting your quarterback at risk. Right. I think that's where he was kind of like, okay, let's just run the ball. And get yeah. Out of here. I will say, and it's kind of funny because when you think about this, what I'm about to say, it's not, it doesn't sound right. But one thing that's really encouraging about Evan Conley now, he got sacked, I think, like four times in that game. But one thing I see with him that's special is his ability to feel pressure from behind yeah. and step into the pocket. The problem is against Clemson is he stepped right into the pass rush yeah. every mm-hmm. time. But it's and I know this comparison has been floated out because of his size, the way that he looks, the way that he plays. But it's very Baker Mayfield esque of him being able to step into the pocket and extend plays out and be able to throw on the run too. I mean, yeah. there was a couple of, of balls that he threw against Boston College where he was doing just that. He stepped into the pocket and then had to make a play outside of the pocket. Where I'm like, that ball's not going to get to the wide receiver, and every time it did, like yeah. it was beautiful. I mean, at first it looks like a duck, but it gets exactly where he wants it to go, and right. it's accurate. The only thing is when he rolled out, <clears throat> especially against that that one play in the Virginia game, like where he rolled out and still wanted to get his feet set before yeah. he threw it. I'm yeah. like, oh, it, he no. does, that's the thing. We, we saw it coming. I'm like, you're going to get crushed. Yeah. And sure enough. And like, that's the play where he got hit. Like he, he got the Mason he got Rudolph. two targeting he calls. Yeah. On yeah. One, he got the one from the back and one yeah. from the front. Yeah. But, I still don't understand how they don't even review. Right. Well, well, no, they one of those they did review yeah, the targeting. I, I thought they maybe, did, but it didn't. Nothing happened. It was just like we're reviewing the play, and then I don't no. know if they reviewed the targeting or the ball going. You know, whether it was a fumble or a pass. Yeah, because he got way, hit. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it's ridiculous. It but obvious. in in terms of just you know, I'm sure he's probably either not comfortable throwing. You know, like strafing on the run. You know, whatever you call it. But I mean, yeah. it to to Jacob's point he is showing a, a lot of like mature qualities in a quarterback oh, yeah. but at the same time yeah. like there's a few there's a couple things you're like oh man if you would have just slung it as you're running even mm-hmm. if you would have missed it you would have probably not gotten three concussions in just like yeah. one second. Yeah. So. I mean, you see so many quarterbacks get happy feet, especially freshmen or rookies in the NFL when any kind of pass rush comes. Um, and Juwan Pass is a guy I think is a perfect example. Last year, he got much better at the beginning of this season, but he his feet, you would see him start chopping like he was getting real scared yeah. that yeah. somebody was coming. And he would throw a lot of really bad passes because of it. With Conley, I don't see that. No. As a freshman who had no Power 5 offers, that that to me, that's the thing that where I start to trust the staff. I would have never noticed that in a high school kid. Like I wouldn't oh, look gosh. at him, his film and be like, this, the way that this kid can step into the pocket is special for 18 years old. But then when he gets to college level and I start to see it in games against Clemson, yeah. I'm like, all right, guys, you guys go keep taking these two-star and three-star players here and there, and I'm going to just trust you that you saw something that I don't see, yeah. and then eventually you'll see it. When I think Ponce said on um, – I forgot – it was like a month ago on, on somebody's radio show or something, but they basically asked him like, how did you guys find Conley at App State? Like before, you know, before anybody else. And you've made, uh, Keith has made a point on, on Twitter, like numerous times pointing out even guys that major schools are finally getting off or landing offers from App State was one of the first guys 
oh, in yeah. there yeah. for for all these that are now high level kids. Mm-hmm. So in terms of identifying talent, like we know they're legit at it. But mm-hmm. Ponce was saying uh, at some point they went to uh, I think him and Brian Brown, Brown like Brown, w- yeah. went to a, like a high school game, uh, and he's like, we were the only coaches. Like there, were they there to watch him or somebody else? Yeah, they were there to watch him and, and nobody else. And like I mean, literally nobody else. They played. They, he played at like pretty high level yeah, Georgia ball. Like I was gonna say, a, didn't you? Say, and he didn't he win like player of the year and like his the second team uh, all state quarterback. Yeah, in so, the state of Georgia where there's talent. Yeah. Just I mean, right. So basically, like, Pines was saying he's like we were kind of hoping that we could actually just keep this kid yeah. like under the radar. Mm-hmm. He's like, we're the only coaches that are watching him and that know about him. He's like, all right. I think well, that was something that they like kind of. Plan for because, like you said, they would get in on these guys very right. early. Like, lots, yeah, they were expecting to guys. lose him uh, down the road. There are a lot of guys on Louisville's roster: Jamie Hawkins, uh, yeah. Josh Johnson. Mm-hmm. They guys. They got offers really early from App State, mm-hmm. and then everyone came in and kind of, you know, you know, you gotta get, you get pushed to the side. You know, that, right. that nobody, and they knew that. I think that was one thing that they kind of they were able to really find some guys that had unique traits that they liked. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Darrington Evans is the guy that I always looked to. They're they're running back down there. Mm-hmm. He's a wide receiver in high school. Mm-hmm track guy runs a four three seven that's mm. all they needed right he was like hey this guy he runs a four three seven we'll figure it out when he gets here yeah so what they did was he was a wide receiver last year um and then their starting running back went down and they played him as kind of a hybrid running back kind yeah of, kind of like two two right where they would put him in the slot and you know run the ball with him a lot well they just said you know what we'll just put him in running back and then he ran for like you know twelve hundred yards in five games or something like that. Yeah, you know, I mean so, he was special last year. Right, yeah. and what they what all they had in him was a guy that can just run, and right. that's that's what they do so well. Is they identify the traits they need. Yeah, they, you know the stars. I'm a stars matter guy. I think offers matter, mm-hmm. but when you can find these guys that have these unique traits, that's all you really need. I mean, right. You know, right now Louisville has two guys in their class, two receivers that run sub four four forties. That's just insane. I right. Mean, you mm-hmm. know, usually those guys get get found by somebody in some way, shape, or form. Right. And I think Jordan Watkins is is an under the radar guy too. I mean, right. he's got a couple Power Five offers, but he's not a huge right. recruit. Right. When you watch him play, I think he he looks the part to anybody yeah. that watches him play. But on well, his stat sheet's nuts. Yeah. And I, I mean, the state of Kentucky and specifically the city of Louisville has not been known as a hotbed for football talent. Right. Like it's not been. And when you hear somebody say, like, oh, Butler's got this kid, I'm like, yeah, well, Seneca had one a few years ago and nothing happened. I'm just naming, like, I'm <laughs> hey, hey, hey. same with Eastern. I mean, Eastern had a five-star kid when I was there. He went to Illinois and never did anything. Like, I mean, right, like, he ended up playing with four coaches in four years, and it wasn't his fault. It was just the way that he wasn't as good as what people thought he was because he played in the city of Louisville. Like, the talent is just not great here. But right. to your point, he's – Got speed. That's yeah. all they need. They just they can he can he run? Can he yeah. hit? Can you do the things we need? Right. It's all about fit. And, right. And that's what I think. You know, a lot of people talked about when Satterfield came as is he's going to be able to bring the Clemson model. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people talk about it from a culture standpoint. It goes deeper than that to me. The way Clemson recruits is all about fit. Right. They just get a lot of really good players. Right. They get five star players. Their right. Roster. You see guys that just fit what they do. Isaiah Simmons was a three-star guy oh my hoping gosh. to go to Arkansas or yeah. Kansas. Louisville, Louisville was trying to get in on him, but Clemson came in at the last minute and was like, this guy fits what we do. And guess what? He's a freak, He's probably man. the best defensive player in the country outside of Chase Young and maybe a couple other guys. That's unbelievable. I, I mean, that's a three-star guy. I did not Clemson know Simmons because was, he fits yeah. what they do. I told right. somebody this week I'd love to have eleven Simmonses on yeah. Wolf's defense. Like it's, that kid is—he's just—you could put him on any position. I mean, he's played defensive yeah. end, he's played linebacker, he's played safety. 
And guys like that, like I'm really excited to see what they do with that card position where Rajay Burns is now yeah. because you can do so much unique stuff there. I think you got to get somebody bigger than 200 pounds. Like I just think that that model won't hold up. Maybe I'm wrong here. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, it's, it's you got to find guys that can. I think that if, if Burns was a little bit bigger, he'd, he'd be able to play to run a little bit better. Yeah. And so you need that, but you also need he, – he allows them to cover better. And do, right. Do some scheme versatility. So the big thing uh, I, I'm excited about is that we've seen Brian Brown kind of throw it out there a little bit. He's got that, that money package that he – you know, his dime package right now where he's got Marlon character in there. And, and, and Monty uh, Montgomery is oh, like the man. rush in yeah. sometimes. Well, going forward, you're going to start seeing uh, defensive linemen – because right now they're still playing G.G. Robinson out there as a defensive end in that package. Well, he's probably the best pass rusher they have, but he's a nose tackle. Right. You know, eventually you're going to see them with so much versatility on defense. Right. Because they, they're going to have so many guys out there that can do this, but maybe they're not so good at that. So right. in this package they'll do this, but, you know, you'll come off the field for that. Once they start getting that, I think that's that's something that I don't think he was even able to do down at app even when he had his guys mm-hmm. because he, he had such a really good 11 that he kind of kept those 11 guys on the field. He's mm-hmm. going to be able to be more versatile here. And we're already seeing, seeing a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that aspect of it. Yeah, so who is a guy, and I'll open this up to everybody, who we talked a little bit about Clemson, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Virginia as well, because I think that game is extremely important moving forward. But who is, uh, out of the first eight games, who is a guy that you don't feel like is being talked about enough? For me, it's Monty Montgomery. Like, I think he is the... Uh, and Presley, you've been on him since the day he committed. Like Presley, mm-hmm. like I think it was on signing days. Like this kid is going to be unreal. Yeah. Like he's small, but just watching his film, he's electric. And for me, he's been like the heartbeat of that defense. I mean, well, he's the one that you see always around the ball. Yeah. Can pass a little bit too, but just the, you know, he's got like five or six sacks. He's got you know fumble recoveries. He does a little bit of everything, and he is so fast. Yeah. Um, I think that they've done a really good job of utilizing him as an undersized linebacker. I mean, the thing that I saw about Monty Montgomery was uh, immediately the name stuck out to me, um, but not not you, you know what I'm saying like it's it's an easy name to remember. Yeah, it's but like, like John I, Johnson. You're like, yeah, Presley, oh, yeah, you had me at this kid when I saw his highlight video and yes. he had a hair flip like Waka Flocka. Mm-hmm. I was done. Yes. I'm like, yes, get so, him on the team. So like all that. the you know swag or fake swag that you saw like on, on Last Chance U, there's a lot of JUCO schools like that, and you know I watched a little bit of their just team in general. Um, and if you watched Last Chance U, he threw some freaking hits and had some plays mm-hmm. yeah. like that were disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that led me to watch his highlight tapes like more in depth. And I was like, dude, this guy's a freak. Like he's hands down the best player that they're bringing in this year, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And and uh, even if you, I, I believe uh, when they had like this little preview videos, like the whenever the guys were committing. Um, oh yeah, they posted the videos on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah and. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Court Dennison. He was just like Monty Montgomery yeah. is a playmaker. Yeah, yeah. Do not let the size fool you. And I was like, dude, I'm telling you, like, I think the coaching staff is like confirming what like what we've been saying. You know, all the talk was about TJ Hole, and you know, he had 190 million tackles last year, and he was so good. This and that. I'm. T- I was like, I'm telling you, Monty Montgomery is the truth. Um, and when you're a JUCO All American, I mean. I think that's a you know I think the last guy they had with, that was a JUCO All American was a uh, Trayvon Young. Yeah, mm-hmm. he came in yeah. and obviously you know wasn't a highly recruited guy out of high school, didn't have all the accolades so to speak, but it was like okay this guy produced at the JUCO level, and you know like I said we all you know, you watch Last Chance U and it's like man they got some talented guys. If you ever mm-hmm. look at some of those stats, it's like I feel like they showed me every play that guy made this year. Right. Because their stats, I'm like this guy didn't do anything. Right. But right. He maybe made some plays that when you're watching the show it makes for good TV. Right. So. You know, but then you look at the guys that they never even, you know, and it's not, it's like I said, it's a TV show. 
you look at some of the other guys on the roster, and it's like, man, this guy made a lot of plays. Yes. And then you, you sit back, and he gets, to, he gets to the next level, and it's like, oh, yeah, I never even heard of that guy, but he went to the same school with the guys that you know didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's TV. It's so. funny, yeah, yeah. It's funny on Last Chance U, they, they'll, like, show, like, Bobby Bruce making a play. Like, Bobby Bruce is not yeah. even a top 30 player on that team. Right. And but then and then they'll show, like, all of a sudden, they'll skip ahead, and they'll be like, Forty-two to seven. I'm like, if fourteen-seven just a second ago, what happened in between? Yeah. There's got to be some ballers out yeah. there. All the guys they weren't really interested in are, are making plays out there. Yeah, so the boring personalities that actually yeah. run up the score. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, so players that people aren't talking about. I mean, look, why why are we not talking more about Javion Hawkins? Like this dude is like, you, you think about the backs in the ACC that are elite. Like I'm talking AJ Dillon. I'm talking Cam Akers. I'm talking Travis Etienne. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, those are three guys that are going to play on Sunday, 100%. Javon Hawkins is right there. Mm-hmm. Like, statistically, and, and even with his size, like, he's not just a speed back. Like, this dude, you're not going to bring that guy down with just Which one Which is amazing tackler. to me. It's amazing. Dude, well, I mean, like, the, some of these smaller backs with their center of gravity, like, I bet you that dude squats 500 pounds. Like, no, no, yeah. no doubt. So, like, the... Like, just, again, just like Monty Montgomery, like, there's they, some of these guys that, like, they don't mind... Satterfield and the staff don't mind playing all these guys that are undersized, and clearly because they're fat. A, they're fast, and B, you, you can be small and still be strong. Yeah. And, and so, like, we got a bunch of like my, mighty mouses, you know, against Clemson. But right. I mean, first, first uh, running back to go over 100 yards yeah. and, and did it with ease. Right. Uh, against Clemson in like three years. Yeah. There is a run against Virginia that I I think it was the one where he got tripped up by his shoelace. It would have been a touchdown had he not. But he got lost in a hole in the offensive line. And you can yeah. watch it. They There was like, he went in between, I think he went in between McCoy and uh, Chandler's the right guard, right? Uh, left guard. Left guard. So whoever the right guard is. I can't remember who the right guard is. Uh, Robbie Bell. Yeah, Robbie Bell. So he ran in between them and the whole left side of the line like put this wall up and mm-hmm. there was no one could see him. He went right through it and he mm-hmm. busted a run for like 15 yards. Yeah. There was another one against Clemson and he ran outside of Mekhi Becton. Four or five guys gang tackled him, and he just kept moving the pile. Yeah. Like I'm like, That's this dude is five ten, five eight. Yeah, and it's just like, and it, and the thing about it in Virginia is one of the last carries he had. I mean, he's he's up at over twenty carries without Hassan Hall really to be able to mm-hmm. smell him as much, and he's just running hard still, and like just dragging much bigger people. Uh, and I, I think the thing about Hawkins, and I, I agree, he, he it does feel like he's being under. Under height, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. like like you would think he'd be a bigger story with how this team has been playing. Absolutely. Um, and and you know the thing that I always kind of sit back and I'm like, you know what, this kid is practically really just getting started. Exactly. Last, last year was kind of just not even a real year to me. Right. You know, for, yeah. especially for the young guys that didn't play because I know off the field they weren't doing the stuff that that Sirigano's having these guys do now. Right. These guys are in much right. better shape. Guys are quicker, stronger, faster. You can see it. Uh, and they're buying into all the weird stuff that he has them doing. Uh, right, like M- Mikhail's like quote or whatever from the other day, like when he was on uh, was it Packer and Durham? Yeah, and and he was like, man, he's like, he's like, when they came in, he's like, we kept asking ourselves, like, why the hell are they yeah, making us do these like weird stuff? He's like, and now it's actually like yeah, being it's used. Up on the field. You're right, exactly. Uh, uh, and, that, and I think that's the thing, and and I think that Hawkins has a chance to be one of the best players. In, in in the history of the of the of the school, yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's kind of. I mean, that, I kind of keep sitting back. He's gonna get bigger. He's gonna get quicker. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get stronger. And it's like, you know, he's gonna get he, smarter. Yeah, like on the field, yeah, like he's through, gonna, he's through experience, better. He's right. gonna get more comfortable running the football. All those things are just like, man, he has a chance to really explode next year. Yeah, and then you, you know that's a that's just crazy to think about because this he was 
I think he was the second lowest rated player in his class. Yeah. Yes. You know, he was a guy that wasn't super highly touted. Um, and he was known as a, as a burner. Yeah. And he's a fast guy, but he's been caught from behind. He's more quick than fast. Yeah. And when, and like when you have that, you're going to be able to do really well in this zone scheme that they're doing because it's not always necessarily blowing through the hole. It's being able to get through when you're being patient, when right. your feet aren't moving as fast as yeah, and he, things like that. And we've seen numerous runs from, from Javion just being – like. Yeah, waiting, you said like literally waiting like he has a hand yeah. on on the lineman as yeah. the lineman's like going through his progression of blocks like that's nuts he literally had a hand one time um the guy i don't know what uh what lineman it was or whatever put a hand on the lineman he blocks the actual like defensive lineman guy and then Javion literally just scoots to the side of him and then waits for him to go up to yeah, the linebacker and then just mm-hmm. runs around both of yeah. them at that point and then at that point like he said you're 15 yards up then you just get either juke a safety or get tackled for 15 to 18 yards. And that's what separated him. You know, Hassan Hall was supposed to be the guy. And, I I mean, everybody just assumed so. And and I went out to the spring showcasing it, and I was like, you know, Hassan looks good. Yeah. Uh, And I I noticed that Javion Hawkins looked okay. And I remember watching watching Colin Wilson be the only person that the offensive staff said, like, they they corrected mid-play. You know, you you see the the entire staff is blowing up because – Literally, he didn't do that. Instead of waiting for the the hole to open and then going through it, the hole opens and he just kind of just you know, kind of still keeps running outside mm-hmm. instead of cutting it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to have more than just athletic ability to be a good running back in the mm-hmm. system. And I think Hawkins has shown that patience. He's shown that that maturity of how to run the ball in the system. Right. While and Hall is starting to get it. It's taking some time, but you know, the first couple runs he had against Notre Dame. It was just, hey, just run. Hit the yeah. hole, hit the hole. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does well. Well, that doesn't really work in the system. And now no. you see him start to – he had a cutback run the other uh, – against Virginia. And I was like, yeah. okay, there it is. He's starting to yes. get it. Like, He's starting to see how, okay, right. slow my feet down, see the hole, and then you burst through. Well, and he didn't – like on that play, I think you're talking about the last touchdown run, right, maybe? Yeah, so and, and the guy posted the funny commentary on, on Twitter. I don't know who it was. Um, but but I, you guys see that mm-hmm. some Louisville fan posted a, a video of just talking about like, um, you know, not being brought down by one tackler, regardless. Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. But but he basically made his own hole in that play, if, if that makes sense. So, um, like if you just talk about strategically, like he basically ran to the right into a blocker. Yeah. The guy on the other side couldn't see him, so he thinks he's going to his left, I guess, and then he just pops back out the hole, yeah. and you know. He just has one guy to beat. Yeah, and the thing about Hawkins is, you know, I think that you're starting to see that. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. Don't even count last year. He had one carry, two carries. He had a catch. Like, I don't even count it. So he's really a true freshman to me Mm -hmm. in my mind. But what he's shown is not only is he special running the ground, but there's so much room to grow. And to me, he reminds me a lot of Tariq Cohen, Darren Sproles. Like, he fits the mold of those guys. He's better runners than those guys because those guys are more specialty pass catchers. But – Satterfield keeps talking about it, and I want to see it this year. I don't want to wait until next year, but there's room for him to grow into a pass catcher outside yeah. of the, back, in the mm-hmm. backfield because if he's going to play in the NFL, he's not going to be an every down back. Like, right. He's going to have to develop that skill, and I think he's going to be capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things, if you go back and you look at App State, like that's never really been – like their running backs weren't really big in the receiving game, and I think that that's a big opportunity when you have those speedy guys. Like yeah. Mikhail's getting pressure, just dump the ball off to JV, and it's, it becomes one of those – Two two plays. It's a it's a run play at that I, point. I think once the offensive line starts to get where they're supposed to be, you'll see these guys not needing to block as much. Uh, sure. and I think they're utilizing that a little bit, and they're they utilize those guys, uh, the running backs and H back in that in that zone kind of outside zone play action where you end up with kind of like a seven man pocket. 
where they had the running back and the and the H back block the backside. So mm-hmm. you have this huge, you know, pocket to throw from. I think once they can get away from that and start doing more just straight drop backs and be comfortable with it, right. we'll start to see this offense. I think I think the offense is gonna be so much better than what they had at App State because he he didn't have the weapons that he's right, got yeah. now. I mean, they would throw to one receiver and then everybody else was a compliment. Now yeah. you have three, four guys that you can say, Hey, we're gonna right. we're gonna we're gonna go spread right now and just throw it around mm-hmm. the field. So, yeah, we talked uh, a lot about it early on in the season. I mean, the, the statistical numbers that have state for the wide receivers made you worry about, I mean, are they going to be able to get a receiver yeah. to come here? Who want, I mean, it's, it's almost Georgia Tech light, and the fact that they didn't have a receiver ever over 500 yards. I mean, every year you had one guy who was in that 500 range, mm-hmm. and then typically it was a tight end after him who was in the 200, 300-yard range. No receiver wants to play in that. Yeah. And one of the things I think Alex talked about earlier is Satterfield's got – talent that he's got he can't just come in here and just do his same old run thing they got to work these receivers in mm-hmm. and he's done it in such a way that now recruits are like oh, i yeah. want to play there oh yeah and i know uh i think you guys had uh, uh greg fitzpatrick yeah. on and i know that he he was he was pretty blunt you know they're like yeah i'm not really sure and they really wanted to see how things mm-hmm. went before right. christian made his decision and yeah i know that like uh i, I remember well I, you know i watched all those games and i remember like all right Corey sudden i can see des being Corey sudden in this offense they they put them down the sideline. They run slants with them. They do a little bit of everything. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how they're going to spread around to all these guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Seth Dawkins at Media Day was, was very positive about it. He was like, you know, we feel good that, you know, it'll, it'll work out. We'll, we'll, they'll, they'll, throw, they'll throw it enough. And I was like, yeah, that's not really what you want to hear. That's yeah, just like right. I'm being a team guy. But once they started to – I think they really had a lack of – they didn't really know what they had. Right. I think they and, – and, uh, you know, Satterfield's been pretty honest about this. They, they he, He's been asked about the Notre Dame game, and he said, you know, we didn't really know until the game started. Mm-hmm. You know, and we started running the ball well, so we, we stopped – he was mm-hmm. he literally said, we knew we had something then. And I was like, all right. So how it just took him longer to figure out the, the passing aspect of it. Right. And I think once they got it, you know, I think that's going to – going for these next four games and going for a period, they know they can do it all. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's a huge plus. And I – I also wonder, you know, when they're at App State, they were beating the hell out of everybody. Right. You know, you only you don't really have to throw the ball so much when you're always winning. So I think That's that may true. be factored in a little bit um, because I, I think what I've seen from the passing offense so far, I think he's got uh, a much more diverse playbook than I even expected. So yeah, uh, it's been good. So continue on players that you're not you don't feel like they're talking about enough yet, like a guy who's kind of stood out to you. Well, one last thing on that, I just thought every time I see a huge plus pass play from Louisville it, it, it's that Satterfield quote in that first press conference where he's like someone's always going to be running open mm-hmm. he's like someone's going to be running free every time and I'm like that's a I was like at the time I'm like it's a pretty ballsy statement yeah. to make from from literally uh, when we were talking about like you're going to be a run heavy offense and you're just here bragging like yeah. oh we're going to have a runner open every time and I was that like was sure enough I was like he's he's made it happen now we haven't hit him every time but that'll come for me um I would all right, so going back, uh, he mentioned him a couple times. Uh, I think Gigi Robinson on the defense, uh, just from the whole angle of everyone, which it, it's not that it's not true that, that we have a smaller defensive line, right? Everyone knows it now. Like That mm-hmm. was a concern going in. The depth was a concern going in. Everything was a concern. Uh, but for what Brian Brown had to what he's been able to turn this defense into, now – Clearly on the stat sheet, people think they still look terrible, which give it what it is. Um, but to, to Keith's point, in a, I think he tweeted out like a couple days ago, but 
you made a really good point that you're interested to see what the defensive stats are going to look like at the end of the season yeah. because of these next four games. Yeah. Because that defense has already kind of been through their gauntlet of the season. So now maybe it's time for them to actually start catching back up in terms of looking a little more stout. Yeah. Like we've seen on the field uh, to keep us in certain games. But I think the last few games, Gigi's done a great job. Um, he does you know, a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on a stage. He really right. does. Yeah, yeah and, and people only see like, oh, he because he got a sack this game. I'm yeah, like, yeah. well, I mean, yes, but that wasn't even like the... That wasn't the big play. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like People just want to see like the big the big piece of it, not so much you know the iceberg underneath. But but I think he's, a, he's another big guy that's yeah. really kept his defense churning. And, and I don't know if it was Gigi on this particular play, but if you go back and you watch the play last week where the running back... Uh, he tried to go one way. The, the hole was closed, which is really unique about this defense. And I don't, I've don't. i never really paid attention to defensive line. I wouldn't know what they were doing if I tried. But this year, I've noticed that slant, and what they do is they fill a hole so that the running back has to go somewhere else. Yep. And the running back's hole was clogged, and I think it was Gigi who clogged it, and he went the other way, and Kane Pass was sitting there just yep. waiting. And that's the play where he lifted him up and just slammed him. Yeah. And that's a play It's going to show up on film. The coaches are going to love it. Regular fans not going to think Gigi Robinson did anything there. They're going to that's all came past. But it was because he got to his hole. His right. assignment was to just simply clog the hole. Yeah, he did. And the running back had to go somewhere else. Make the play for the other guy. I always go back to Mike one side at App State last year, who had I think twenty tackles mm-hmm. and one tackle for loss, and was first team all sudden belt because mm-hmm. he made all those types of plays. I mean, Gigi has come in and, and accepted that role that hey, you're not always going to be the guy making the tackle. Mm. But the play doesn't work unless you do your job, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's been great. Uh, more than that, I think he, he's he's snuffed out three or four screens this year, mm-hmm. where he's just in the he's in the he's in the path of the throw. Mm-hmm. He doesn't end up nobody makes the tackle. It just looks like a hey, it's an incomplete pass. But you you watch the replay, and it's like well, yeah, because Gigi stopped rushing the passer and was like he see you know that experience you know right. that, that maturity comes out and it's like mm-hmm. all right, I, I got to get back and maybe he. Maybe he slows running back down. Maybe he makes him change direction. Right. And it's the other guys coming in. And mm-hmm. that, and then you see the effort aspect that Brian Brown's been preaching all summer. So it all it's all about it working together. I think that it's it's looking much better now. I think I mean the Virginia game, they they I mean they held him under every average on everything they do. Mm-hmm. Running, passing, you know, completion percentage, all that stuff. So yeah. I think that, you know, if they can do that, they can take away these things that these offenses are about to go against can only do one one or two things maybe you know they're they're bad at you know everything but maybe running the ball or they're they complete a lot of passes but they don't you know do this that, and the other if they can keep that going i think the defensive stats look much better than in the year because they, they've played the best offenses on the schedule already yeah right. and you know that's just the way the right. schedule played out and you know at the end of the year i think it'll look much better and it, it's something to grow on and to keith's point four games left he's got 30 minutes with this left so in my mind, I want to just do a quick review of the next four games to see, at least from your perspective, uh, you know, I've everybody's heard everything from holy hell we're going nine and three, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to, to even if we even if we lose uh, the next four games, I mean, you know, we've already kind of hit the ceiling that a majority of uh, of everybody kind of gave Louisville at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I don't see a scenario where they could lose all four. I, no, I do see one where I, they I could really lose don't. three, but I I think Syracuse out of that group just, is the one that's just yeah. – Literally a pure, pure effort alone, yeah. I don't think they're going to lose and four. And just style, Syracuse like Syracuse has got to have the ball. Louisville's really good at being able to keep the ball out of out of an opposing offense's hands. Syracuse is going to get that ball just a few times because their defense can't stop anybody. Well, and somebody made a great point about Syracuse, by the way, um, just specifically about Dino, that this was going to be like his – 
year to to really get a better job like yeah. a, a you know a jumping off point and now you're seeing all these bigger programs that actually are in need of coaches and he just yeah uh, yeah, yeah. I love a he's, a, he's a good I love those speeches after his, at the mm-hmm. upsets right. he has I love those when he's in there and you you know so in your in your mind Keith like what what has happened because obviously like we follow majority of Louisville stuff so I mean like. I haven't watched every Syracuse game. I've watched a couple. I mean, and obviously nothing really sticks out to me about being special, but, like, they were preseason ranked. They were supposed to have a big year. Like, what what has gone just that much wrong for them? What was it, 2017 or 16? 16, when Louisville had just that awful offensive line, when Houston was just, you oh know, God. running a rough shot over them. Ed Oliver. And Syracuse is much worse than that line. Their, their offensive line cool. is much worse than Louisville's line that year. I mean, they're they're awful. Um, and I, I don't know how they got to that point because Dino Babers is not a new coach there anymore. And and I've always said year three is when recruiting excuses should kind of go out the window um, because you've had a couple, you've had a few years now yeah. to bring in your guys. And if you're a good recruiter, you're going to bring in guys that can at least play for you. They right. don't necessarily have to be great, but you shouldn't be bad at, at full position. Shouldn't be bad. Mm-hmm. You have a bad left guard. It's like, yeah, you know, what can we do? You know, we're missing one guy there. You have an entire bad office line. He's got to explain that somehow um, because I think it's really they can't run the ball um, and then they can't pass protect. So, you know, you're putting yourself in a lot of long yardage situations. Um, and now you're now you have now you need the time to throw to a really good receiver core. Uh, I think Tommy DeVito is not as good as I expect him to be. I thought he played well when he had to play last year. Uh, but this year he hasn't, so they're just bad on offense. And I and I and I stress this, and I stress this against my about Miami too. When you have a bad offensive line, it makes your entire team bad because now your right. defense, even if they're playing well, you're not scoring enough points to make them look like they're doing anything well. Miami's defense is is very good this year. No, nobody cares because their team is bad. Because right, their right. Offensive line can't do anything, and then you're also putting your defense in bad spots a lot because your field position is going to be bad because you're not moving the ball. So now you're punting to the, you know, 55, you know, 50, or I guess the other 45 or 50. Right. Mm. So now your your offense, your defense is starting in bad positions. All right. The time. I was gonna say like I, I feel like I, I don't know any stats to back it up, but when you have a terrible offense, no, to his point, like Miami, like you have a terrible offense, and so the defense, you know, puts forth puts forth effort every time, but then they keep starting. You're starting further back, yeah. further exactly. back, further exactly. back, and then eventually the other team just finally scores. Mm-hmm. No, like, well, it, Miami's supposed to have this great defense, and they let this other team, yeah, and, you know, drop and, whatever amount of mo- like so, points. But so to go through the four games, I guess I think Miami's the the, the hardest team they're going to play right. for the rest of the year. Obviously, um, I think their defense is very good. I think they're one of their issues on defense. They're not causing turnovers like they used to. That was Manny Diaz's like calling card. Mm-hmm. You know, the turnover chain, all that stuff like that. Right. You know, we saw it all the time because they're getting they're using it all the time. You mm-hmm. know, well, I think they have five picks this year, and you know, a few fumble recoveries, and that's it. They're not the big play defense that they have been. So they're not able to help that that bad offense that can't do anything. They can't run the ball like they should. They don't really – they can't throw the ball down the field, which they have a ton of speed outside, like a ridiculous amount of speed, and they can't use it. So they're running a lot of screen, bubble screens, this, that, and the other, and it becomes an offense that all you have to do is keep them in front of you. I assume you're mm-hmm. talking about Tate Martell at wide receiver? Yeah, when right. What do you mean? Just Apparently need the they, weapon. They, they moved him back to quarterback now. Yeah, is, I, we also – so, <laughs> Siri's listening to Miami. You said I assume, and Siri thought that you said Siri. 
that gosh, makes there you go. So, so, uh, that, so that so, legit scared me. I had no idea. Going <laughs> just on don't head. make any friends named Siri. Yeah, really good. No joke. So uh, you know they have some weapons, but they just have a hard time getting the ball to them. I think that you know, like I said, take away. Don't let these bad offenses be better at the things they're bad at. Right. You know what I mean? Like Virginia couldn't get it. Doesn't do big plays. So Louisville held them to I think what. I think there were two plays over 20 yards. Like, the only time I need to do that first like flailing throw oh down the field gosh. that made me want to punch somebody. Yeah, but that was, that was like the brutal. only like hair pulling was, defensive like yeah. Uh, other than that, I think Bryce Bryce Perkins had a 20 yard run in you know, the beginning of the third quarter. I mean, you can you can live with that, and that's what they were able to do. Take away the things that they're bad at, and now you you know you, your game plan should work. Uh, so they need to make sure Miami doesn't have these big plays. They need to make sure Miami isn't throwing the ball down the field because that's what they, that's what they they're bad at. So well, do you like? Do you think they threw in Tate Martell back at QB just to like stir up some like news articles and just you know make a headline? Or do you think they're just like flailing and just like what? Why does it even matter at this point? Let's just try it out. I think their quarterbacks are kind of unhealthy, so they're just like, yeah, well, we need an insurance policy. Okay. So, I don't know. Well, because like to so your. Either that or, you know, like when Willie Taggart was like, oh, we might start this other quarterback yeah. too. Like, yeah. just to, you know, throw another wrinkle in you there know, for them. But it's, it's kind of one of those things where it really doesn't hurt anything, you know. Why right. Not? But yeah. even even the Miami, like, the Miami beat writer, when he wrote that article, was just like, yeah, he's, like, maybe going to be our third string yeah. and, like, it's maybe not going to get any playing time at all. So, it's like, oh, okay, he's not going to be, like, actually, like. He's just one of those guys like, that gets attention because he's he's Tate Martell. Right. But I don't know. I think that that's the that's the that's the game. You know, if they're if the Louisville offense gets back to throwing the ball um down the field a little bit better, I think they need big plays. I think that's this is offense is a big play offense. So do you think uh, they're gonna keep keep both QBs going the way he has, oh especially yeah. after this game or I don't think that's gonna change. Okay. I think that's just I think uh, the way I put it is that Evan Connolly is a feature, not a bug. Right. He's part of the game plan. So mm-hmm. I think that they're gonna rotate this this past week he was just you know you got put in bad spots. Yeah, I was gonna say I saw you I saw what you wrote about him. You didn't think that it was his him being any less qualified to run the offense, but that it was yeah. just bad position. What did you mean by that exactly? So, I mean, and honestly, a lot of this just comes straight from Satterfield after the game. You know, the first two questions that was asked about it, asked was about the quarterbacks, and he said, you know, Evan was put in. It was kind of unfair. And and what do you mean by that? Is that he's in a position where. They're in a tie ball game, right? And then it was a one score ball game throughout the entire second quarter. You you don't want to be risky at all, right? Uh, you know, you give Virginia free points and and you're going to lose. That's what they mm-hmm. that's what they excel at. So, you know, when he put Conley in there, he ran. He tried to run the ball. The running game just was not working at that point. Um, and then you know penalties. You know he had all, he had just so many different things happen. You know, you look at that second drive. He starts on the 25 yard line, throws a first down pass on his first throw. He gets mm-hmm. called back. Yeah. The next play, penalty. He, yeah, that was first and twenty-one. Yeah, right. yeah, that's the drive's over at that point. Right, you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna get lucky if you get a first down. So now you're in positions that his first three drives are just, hey, you got to get lucky to be able to, uh, to to move the ball, and that just didn't happen. And I think it made it worse. And in the third quarter, Cunningham comes back in, he get he gets the ball in the ten-yard line, and he gets a first down. Well, you look at the play, the third down play. And they call a QB draw, which Evan Conley has run before. Mm-hmm. They call it with Cunningham, and the, there's nobody in the middle of the field, you know, right. which is, in a sense, he got lucky. You right. Know? So right. I think that was kind of where a little bit of the, I guess, you know, and I think the emotions of the game get to people, and, you know, they think the backup quarterback is always the best guy. And then when you, you know, you play that guy, and it's like, well, the starter's better now. 
I mean, two weeks ago, people were calling for Evan Conley to start after the Wake Forest oh, game. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Plenty of people. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, when the game happens, it's like, well, put the other guy in. Yeah, it just, it, just it, it, was, it was a lot of, to me, silliness, but... You know, they scored seven points with Cunningham in the right. game. So, right. It's not that great. So when I when I went back and looked through that game, because I, I honestly didn't – I spent the day with my wife during the Virginia game and didn't watch a lot of – we went and watched the first half but didn't actually, like, pay attention to the second half. So I, wanted, I went back, rewatched it, and then I saw what you wrote. So I went back and I wanted to look at Conley's drives. So the problem, I think, with, with him being in was their first down play on all four drives ended in either a loss or a penalty. Yep. So – or a one-yard run. Mm-hmm. So the first drive, Hassan Hall gets stuffed. Second drive, Seth Dawkins has that huge play down the field, comes back because of a block in the back. Then on the third drive, Hawkins goes nowhere on first down. And then the fourth drive, there's 25 seconds left yep. on the clock. So yep. Scott Tyrefield has talked all season about having success on first down, and my – football expertise goes to the extent of one yard is probably not a good first down play (laughs) so then you're set up with a second and nine and it changes the way that you call the plays and you're you're typically even on second and nine you're going to probably have to throw the football because if not then if you do run the ball and you don't get any more than four or five yards you're in a third and long at that point and you've just wasted a drive you don't want your freshman quarterback in a third and long especially against a good defense so i felt like on first down they didn't necessarily do a great job of helping him out a lot of that is probably more uh, of a kudos to Virginia's defense of knowing what Louisville likes to do and expecting a run on first down. But when you saw them kind of get creative with the play calling, he hit Dawkins on a beautiful play down the field, and unfortunately it just came back with a bad penalty. I mean, it was a 25-yard play, yeah. and it could have completely changed the rest of the game for him. You know, he played four four drives. He ended up with, like, negative five yards. I mean, yeah. it just it, a lot of it wasn't his fault. Especially if, he, if, he, if that penalty doesn't happen, they go down and score. Nobody's talking about this. Exactly, you know, and, I, and I've tried to put it that way. And also, I, I, you know, I try to I try not to tell anybody how to fan or how to think because I'm not an expert at all. But I, I, the way I looked at it is honestly, I rewatched the game and I was like, just throw the whole quarter away. Mm-hmm. Just, it just you know, it might as well it didn't happen because mm-hmm. nothing nothing was normal about it. Right. No. Anything that could have gone positive got wiped out. So okay, well we're looking at it. And it's like, well, he, he had no yards. I mean, it was just like you know, it just throw it away. Um, and and. Don't blame Conley. Everyone blames the quarterback. That's just the Always. nature of the beast. Absolutely. But when it comes down to it, I mean, you have veteran guys, you know, getting penalties. You have the offensive line getting manhandled, where you can't run the ball and help out your quarterback. Mm-hmm. He went two for four, right? Including it would have been three for five with, right. if that if the if the play didn't come back. That's pretty good, right? And, you know, and, and right. it's not like he he's out there throwing interceptions. He didn't take a sack. He had the one where you know he, he was trying to gather his feet. That's the one that in the in the the pitch that he threw the two two. Yeah, the fumble. Right, right. You know that that's the risky play that he took, and and I think that's the thing. You know he tried. Satterfield knew that he was. I got to get something going, so he tried something and didn't work. Right. But when it comes down to it, he flat out said, "I didn't want to get risky," uh, and the reason is it's not just field position; it's also the score. Yeah. When you're in a one score game or a tie game, you just don't give away free points, and that's what you're risking if you you know do all these trick plays, try to run the option, all those things like that. And in Virginia, they didn't look good on offense to that point. So, hey, let's just put the defense. And the defense, the defense yeah. did look good. So, yeah. And, I, I, and, it, and it worked. That's I guess that's the thing that kind of was so weird to me. It's like, this all worked, guys. Like, it's not like they were down three scores going into half. They're down one score. Get get out there and you got another half to, to, to get things going. And, mm-hmm. and it worked out fine. So, um you know, I think it's I think it's and it's worked every other game. Right. I was about uh, to say, and to your point, it's it's, it's the exception, not the norm. Exactly. And it, if if you if you take out basically that second quarter, 
of that game. And you basically, like, if you just said that second quarter didn't happen, which I know is impossible, but if you look at every other game that Connolly's played in, I mean, I'd say he's ran, what, 15 drives? And they've had he's some kind well, of scoring well. play on probably half of those drives. Yeah, so. he's, 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 doing a, he's doing a lot of good things to get them in good positions. And I think that's what they want from the quarterbacks. And, they don't have to win the game for them. Right. They have their running game to do that. And they have these big yeah. plays that the receivers are, are essentially, I won't say making on their own. They're getting open in there and the offense is working the way it is. The quarterbacks just don't have to screw it up. Right. right. And when you look at the, the three games they've lost, two of those games were screwed up by the quarterback. Yeah. Yep. passed with three turnovers in the Notre Dame game and Malik Cunningham with his throw, the throwing the interception when they had the lead against Florida State. And mm-hmm. getting sacked like 912 right. times. You take yes. those, you, 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 when, if you're not making the mistakes, Satterfield's happy. Now going forward, yeah, we that's going to change. You want guys yeah. that can make plays for you. They don't have that right now. You know, and Cunningham is making them with his legs right now, which is great, but they don't need these guys to win the game. They need them not to lose it. And, yep. and as long as they can do that, especially with these next four games, you can't give these bad offenses field position or free points. That's it. That's the name of the game. And if you can do that and trust your defense, because yeah. they're not playing against great offenses. Right. Now you just, hey, we got to score just enough to win the game. And that's what they did against Virginia. I yeah. mean, even though that was, that was truly a two-score game. I don't That, that whole last, yes. I don't yeah. even get in the fourth quarter. But I think that, honestly, they took away what, what Virginia does, and they didn't give up anything. Right. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Which so, is even nuts, just thinking, like, I – I was thinking the same thing Keith did. I, I left that game. I'm like, that was really like 20 to 14. Yeah. I'm like, it yeah. really was because right. they, they scored. And then, of yeah. course, the onside kick, which is going to. What is that? Lil's third off onside kick that they've given up this year? Yeah. Should have been four because Tutu had one. I was just thinking in my head, yeah. should I even bring it up? Like, is it even a yeah. thing? That, that um, scares me. But, all right. So, in my mind, I have, like you just said, easiest to hardest in, in terms of the next four games for Louisville to potentially win mm. for me would be Syracuse, NC State, Kentucky, and then Miami. Mm. It's probably fair. It's probably you know, how I think I that NC State, they're just, they, they lost so many guys from last year. It's and insane. No one knows about them there. because like half the people think, you yeah. know, they're like the record shows they're not, you know, they, what are they, five not, and three? I think it's either that Some, or four, four and three. They four and played three, one so of those games. Yeah, yeah four and but three, but, but the it's, it's almost like a Boston College. It's like a sham. Yeah. Like when beat, we played them, yeah. and Boston College was still regarded as And like, then they beat you know, ECU really, and some yeah, other really played, bad team. Boston College beat the hell out of them last week. So, yeah. And I think they're, they, you know, I think that NC State has, you, you, you know, they recruit fairly well. They don't recruit well enough to reload on both sides right. of the ball. And then they just got killed by injuries. But more than that, their quarterback situation is they've they're starting their third third different quarterback this year. None of them have been injured. They're right. just rotating those guys mm-hmm. out. I know and what that feeling feels like. They're yanking him in and yeah. out. They're 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 pulling the Petrino in a yeah. sense because you got to stick with a guy. And yeah. none of those guys have played terribly. Mm-hmm. None of them have played well. But Matt M- McCoy, I think, is mm-hmm. there the guy that started the mm-hmm. year completing a bunch of passes, right. taking care of the ball. He just doesn't do anything right. exceptional. Right. Well, you can't like you, you got to put your guys in a position where if they're doing enough, you got to what is, what are what is everybody else doing? Right. You know, is your running game struggling? Okay. Well, maybe you should you know juggle some things there. You start moving your quarterbacks in and out. You're well, killing their confidence. Right. And then the next guy's coming in cold. They're right. you know they're playing three guys in one game. Like it just doesn't work. Right. Ooh. And and I think the biggest thing with them the the advantage that Louisville have is obviously Dwayne Lefford. Like I mean you know Eli Drinkwitz has left, so their offense mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit different than what it was under him when Lefford was there. But he knows those players. He knows the yeah. defense. He's going to know what they've lost. He's going to know how to attack. I don't see a scenario where Louisville loses that game. But when you're Dave Dorn, man, I mean over the last two years he's lost. 
four or five draft picks. He's lost, you know, Jalen Samuels. He's lost um, Kelvin Harmon, Jacoby Myers. Like, yeah. we're going to find out how good of a coach he is based yeah. off if he can replace those guys because I think you can make the argument with Bobby Petrino, same, the same for Dave Dorn, is he should have won a lot more games with Ryan oh, yeah. Finley and those guys. Oh, like, yeah. he had a special team. Especially when they had uh, Bradley Chubb and that, right. that, that defense line. They all right. got drafted. They were, I mean, they weren't as good as Clemson's defense line, but. And they, those guys are all in the NFL right, right now. Right, right. Uh, and they didn't really they, – they still got to nine wins. They haven't won ten games in like 40 years, I yeah. think. Yeah, which is uh, crazy because they had so they much had a lot talent. Of talent. Yeah, and and Doran, like you said, he's he's lost some games that you just don't – he had no business losing. Right. Um, and, I, and I think their fans are happy, but I think at some point their fans are going to turn, uh, especially a year like this, if they follow up next year and it's like, okay – you get a down year. Yeah. It happens. And I, I don't think anybody at, at NC State, I haven't seen any of the writers or anything like that being unfair to them because everybody knew this year was going to be mm-hmm. kind of rough. But it's a lot worse than I think they yeah. even thought it was going to be well, because they haven't solved anything going into next year. They're right. going to go into the, in the, in the winter. I was like just without, as many court, questions. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. And you can't, you just can't do that. Right? Yeah. And I think that um, with them, goodness gracious, I lost what I was going to say. My wife just texted me and I completely <laughs> forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Scott Satterfield would have been a perfect hire for them if oh, they God. did decide yeah. to fire Dave Dorn. He's the perfect guy for them. Like, yeah, I mean, he's right in their backfield. North Carolina really should. I, and I think Mac Brown's doing fine. Yeah. I think long term, though. They're going to regret that big time. I have a lot of time. concerns about how Mac Brown is going to do because I think that one of the things that happened in Texas is that he had good coordinators and didn't trust him. Yeah. He has good coordinators. He has really good coordinators. He's also now. like 75. Yeah. So, like, I mean, how, how long, long can you coach? Yeah. Like, I'm, Well, and when you come back that old – it's not even like a passion thing anymore. It's almost like Les Miles was like, eh, "I want to coach again." Yeah. Like it's, it's almost like to scratch an itch. Not really like yeah. I'm. I have this burning well, desire to turn this program around. It's just like, no, I just want to coach again. Well, yeah, here's I another go. issue: is that he got, he got brought back by the people around the program, not the program itself. Mm-hmm. So how do you get rid of him if you want to? Mm-hmm. All the people that have the money wanted him there. They're not going to get right. rid of him. So it's almost like he's an elected official, your, not yeah, like a higher. You're putting yourself in yeah. a bad position where. If something goes poorly, which I don't think it is, I think they're going to be fine. I think they honestly might be the best team in the Coastal going down mm-hmm. the road because I think his coordinators are great. And I think he's recruiting extremely well. Yeah, oh, he's got dude, a good quarterback. His, that so recruiting like, class right now is yeah, it's great. Yeah, nuts and, I mean, and Wake Forest is going to kill NC State today. Like I don't, I don't see a scenario where yeah. So, anyways, back to your question. I, I, I think that uh, we've only got a few minutes left with Keith. I think it'd be what, what's everyone think they finish? Where does how does Louisville finish the year? I'll start with you, Keith. I think it's. I mean, if they, I think if they win next week, they win out. I mean, I, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of been holding that take for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's so hard uh, to like think about but it. Like. Even, even after the Clemson loss, yeah. Before the Clemson game, I was like, you know what, they can win out this, this, this season. I mean, I was like, they mm-hmm. beat Virginia, and it, every week it's like, well, they beat Virginia. Right. It's, it's literally like the, the, rest of the schedule. Yeah. I mean, so they, the schedule is was progressively getting worse after the Clemson game. Clemson. In Virginia, and then I was like, okay, nobody on that on the rest of the schedule is better than those two teams. Uh, I think Virginia was a little bit overrated, mm-hmm. um, but they've been winning these games for a reason. But I think that what I saw from Brian Brown is really what's making me feel more confident because I think that the defense was getting a little bit of a bad rap. They gave up some some busts. They gave they, and then they played Wake Forest. Who's they're Wake Forest? They're they're putting up numbers on everybody. Yep. Uh, and then you play Clemson, and it's like, okay, well. You know, what are you supposed to do when you're playing these top offenses? The Boston College game is the only game that I was like, okay, they didn't look the way they should, but they also had busts in that game. So I started looking at it. You know, I watch these games multiple times because I'm weird. And, you know, like I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, they're not nearly as bad as they seem. You know, they really don't 
rush the passer as well as they mm-hmm. should, but they're also playing. They've played three offensive lines in a row that had given up eight total sacks on the year. It's not like you know nobody's getting to the quarterback against these teams. It's not Louisville. Mm-hmm. It's everyone. So now they're playing some teams that don't have their first off. The Virginia giving up a lot of sacks doesn't make big plays. Okay, well that's that's exactly what Louisville needed. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at the rest of the schedule and guess what? Nobody else. It's the same way for everybody. Miami right. has a terrible offensive line. Syracuse has an awful offensive line, mm-hmm. and then Kentucky is playing a wide receiver at quarterback. But yep. You look at these offenses. Who's apparently close to the next Lamar Jackson? That's <laughs> oh <my laughs> what I'm hearing. This 40% completion percentage is just outstanding. I know. Yeah. What, I, what is think, it like? Seven? Is it seven completions in two games? I think, or yeah, like I think he's had six? seven total. And so I think he's yeah, thrown like, the ball like 30 times or yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah, it's not very it's many. Not good. And and I think that that's the thing. They're they're making do, and I think they're trying to do what they did with Randall Cobb. And and even with uh, did Cobb play quarterback there? He played. Oh yeah, he played a little bit of everything. Yeah, I don't was, remember that at all. He played. He played I oh yeah. Place for them. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. Gosh, that's and, crazy. And, and, man. And he was awesome. They're, what they're doing is they're they're trying to just make it work. I mm-hmm. don't think it's gonna work against good teams. I think they're right. gonna learn that against Tennessee. Tennessee's not very good, but they're not. They got Arkansas. better. Arkansas allowed UK to just run wild when all they did was run the ball. Like. Not, and it's not like Army running the ball where, hey, they're doing stuff that's hard to defend. They're just lining up and just running right at them. And Arkansas is playing like two safeties high, you know, not playing eight guys in the box. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> like, this is just football one-on-one. Right, like, like a complete staff would look at down. UK's like, film and be like, all right, I know exactly what yeah, we need to do. You know, Wait, so I think, that, I think that, you know, going forward, how do you, you know, it's, it's very hard not to see them winning out if they get by Miami because that's the best team left on the schedule. Yeah, and uh, and staying healthy. I mean, you got to yeah. you got to stay. Right. And that's the thing. They're one or two positions away if, if a guy goes out of just being like not winning games. And I, I mean, think that's the thing. That's that's kind of been the thing all year. So you kind of just you know it's like all right, well, so far it's working out. And and if that happens, yeah, there are definitely some guys they just they can't lose. But I think on defense they've really done a good job developing some depth over the year. I think offensive line is still a little bit of a question, but Adonis Boone has played some. Yeah. I mean, he played a full game, I think, either Wake or Boston College, uh, and they just didn't play Cole Bentley in the game. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and they're going to start – I mean, you heard Satterfield said, which I love yeah, his strategy with start, the freshman. Yeah, gonna, I can't freshman, wait yeah. to see Zach Edwards. He's the one yeah. guy I cannot wait he's to played, see him yeah. out there. I know he's good. only played a couple of snaps, but – Dorian Jones at linebacker, I'm, li- I'm really excited to see him. I'm, I'm excited to see how if they throw in some of these offensive linemen and mm-hmm. get them some snaps. Yeah. And, and, and it's such a smart idea. Like you, you Right. The roster management is great, even if – they don't get to play some of these guys as much as they want they're going to get these guys at least some game reps this year mm-hmm. and if they get to a bowl game you have extra your know, bowl practices i mean you, and then they start their spring early so it's not yeah. a big downtime right you're gonna get a lot of time for these young guys to be to play yeah and get and, some real reps and okay so i say they do go and and hypothetically they play in the orange bowl Will the will the new enrollees be allowed to? Well, I guess it would be after the Orange Bowl that they would get on campus, like so they couldn't practice if they arrived in January because the game would be New Year's or the day before New Year's. Yeah, so that, it's on it. it's the thirtieth. I yeah, think so uh, that eliminates any so, new guys so being able to practice. Syracuse actually pulled this off last year. They had, uh, I guess, they were maybe on quarters. Uh, they had a bunch of guys that were transfers mm-hmm. that were sitting out that year, they got to play in their bowl game because the next semester it started. What? Interesting. And, and I'm really shocked that they haven't, mm. and it may just be they haven't found the right fit. I'm shocked that Louisville hasn't grabbed a couple of guys who have left other programs to come in as transfers just to provide depth and get some get some guys who I are don't not think, freshmen. I don't think transfers knew what the hell Louisville was going to be about. Oh, clearly. Going into the, I, I mean, mean like, that's, that, that's the thing. Because like, we talked about whiffing on the, on the QB grad transfers when we thought, 
every person that was going to be on the transfer portal like, oh, Louisville no, needs that. That's Louisville, yeah. You got to understand, a lot of these guys, a lot of college football players don't really watch college football. Right. All they, mm-hmm. you know, all they know about your team is what your record was last mm-hmm. year. Or if mm-hmm. you have like a big name that's going to the NFL or yeah. something like so that. So right. you get a coach that reaches out to you, you're going to start re- researching the team, and the first thing you see is two and ten. You're going to say no. Yeah, I mean, right. it's like I'm not I got my one final last year. year. Yeah. Do I want to go and risk being a bad team, or do I want to go and maybe get a, get a chance to make sure I can actually you know, still go to a bowl mm-hmm. game and, and help my NFL draft stock? So I think that'll factor in. And I think right now, so they're going to sign between 28 and 29 players. Uh, I think they're going to be 30. And yeah. I think that mm-hmm. 30th spot is going to be a grad transfer tight end. Yeah. Because they still, they're going to need somebody there. Yeah. But when you that's look around be... the entire roster, that's it. They've actually fixed a lot of their number issues. Yeah. They already have, uh, I think Trevor Reed is going to be a guy that can come in and be a starting tackle uh-huh. for either Becton or um, Tyler Haycraft. Uh-huh. You look at the roster, that's that's about it. The defensive yeah. line, you got to figure out what you're going to do with GG spot, but you have Jericho Wire stepping in. Right. Monte mm-hmm. Gabon, you got some guys that can step in mm-hmm. for a spot. I just I just named almost every position on the that they have to fill. Right. So Kane Pass is gonna yeah. have, you have guys that can step in his spot. Yeah, so, so number wise, we're we're gonna lose what, three You're gonna lose two starters on defense. Okay. Uh Kane Pass and um GG. GG. Yeah. Uh, sorry, three. I'm on take a bond. Okay, yeah. so yeah. And then three. offense you're losing you two tackles. Uh assuming. The, assuming. the thing about assuming. so here's the interesting thing about yeah. offensive linemen is a lot of times that's the one position you'll see a guy mocked in the second round or late first and they decide no, I'm going to stay yeah. and then they end up being a top five pick their senior year that happens yeah. all the that's time because that's, that's a position where you have to be and he is so he's a, he's different he's not the guy you have to worry about their body or any kind of getting prepared to play at the next level but a lot of the times tackles stay back a year because they know it'll help them be a, well, big, he, a higher pick and he's also got a very very good offensive line coach right and a guy right. that he's going to help him he knows what it takes to be in the NFL he's he, he Dwayne Leffer was in the NFL not too long ago yeah so, right so and you know he's he's got guys at NC State that he put in the NFL that weren't NFL prospects until right. he got there so right. so there's a good chance that Beckton decides to stay because I'm not seeing him out as a first round guy right and not yet at least right yeah and I don't think he's a guy that's in a He's not a dire situation guy that, hey, i got to go make make this money now. Mm-hmm. I'm a family kind of guy. So you look at all those things that factor in a lot of these decisions, and he might say, you know what, I'm going to come back because he, he has a lot of room to grow. Mm-hmm. So that's what you hear from all these scouts. It's like, yeah, he's got athleticism. He's got power, mm-hmm. but he's got – a lot of work to do, and yeah. he might choose to say, "You know what? I'm going to come back." Wow. He's got, he's got, a, he can work on his body. Okay, right. Some, that's you know, I just assumed he's gone. Yeah, that's what I, I think that's like, what everybody has there's thought. A, there's, so yeah. if he stays, yeah, how many? If he stays, how many people do we lose then on offense? Three. You've got Tyler Haycraft, so Dawkins, like, and okay. uh, Jordan Davis. So yeah. literally, it could potentially be like, you know, but technically, I mean, is, is, is Jordan Davis even starting at, the, at this point? I mean, are they even playing tight ends at this point? I feel so. so bad for Jordan Davis, not because I mean he's getting to be a blocker, right? So I think right. that that's a good thing for him to put on film for the NFL. But he has one catch, two catches. He had two catches last year. Yeah. Like the guy just can't get a break, and he's, he's supposed to be a stud, dude. Right? I mean, he made some plays that early on in like in their practice, and obviously the one they they tweeted out of him catching that one in the back of the yeah. end zone one handed. But he's not gotten any opportunity. But you know, one plus for him is that his biggest issue up until this year was that he. Never really tried hard enough. His body yeah. was always just terrible. He, yeah, he was chubby. I remember yeah. watching him at open practices, and I, I will never forget just being like, I cannot believe this guy sat out for a whole year, and he looks like he hasn't worked out one day. Mm-hmm. It was t- it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was. Really? I mean, I was just like, this is stunning. He's yeah. flabby. He's completely out of breath after running one or two routes. Right. That like, sounds like me. Like, how do you have a guy? <laughs> that would totally be me. And this is one of those things where when you look at how – 
things went as a total team with the previous staff, you should not have any guys that are that bad out of shape, especially a guy that you're going to have to rely on to play. That means you've just allowed him to just skirt the rules. You, there's no accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And now he came in and, you know, they, they, they tossed up a, a good amount. But, you know, you, you follow – I follow Sirignano on Instagram. And every once in a while, during the summer especially, he would post on his Instagram stories – players tweeting or are sending him videos and them working out mm-hmm. and it was just like it'd be like 40 you know instagram stories in a row and i'm like yes Jesus like Christ. like hashtag checking in or something like yeah, that yeah it yeah nuts. And it was non-stop and it's justin marshall jordan davis the first two guys every every day mm-hmm. and i was like they actually ah. got jordan davis to work out mm-hmm. and that's gonna help him even if he doesn't put up the numbers when he goes to pro day and all that yeah. stuff like that People were going to say, well, yeah, this guy's an athlete. We all know that. Yeah. But he was never able to show it because he was never in shape. Yeah. You know, even yeah. though he had the numbers, he's going to be able to show that, hey, I can I can do things. And yeah. I think that that might help him out. All right. right. So before you go, Louisville loses Seth Dawkins, too. I wanted to throw that in there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah he's, he said Dawkins. Oh, I didn't hear you yeah. say Dawkins. So, okay. Yeah, Dawkins, all right, my bad. Tight, tight end, wide receiver, and one. And then Haycraft, right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, on both sides of the Oh, and McCoy. So, because he's McCoy. a grad trainer. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there so you go. But the thing is, is most people believe that Jackson, I've heard. Jackson Gregory is yeah. going to be the guy who they expect to step into that spot. Jackson Gregory is going to be a guy. That they, he's going to be the uh, Eric Wood yeah, type he, of guy. I was going to say, like, really? This guy, you know, you look back on those, you know, Giacomini and some of those guys, it was like nobody wanted them kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Gregory's one of those guys. I mean, you, you watched this film and it was like, how does this guy not have an offer? And he didn't have, he didn't even have a D2 offer. Yeah, he's Dude, that's, D3. That's Haycraft this year. Yeah. Like, I, I was stunned. Haycraft like when, looks like a lineman. Well, do you, like, do you remember up. in the spring when they when they were like, oh, yeah, Tyler Haycraft, he's getting a lot of run in the spring. And we're like, what the Tyler? It's so funny, though, because <laughs> I, I was. I mean, yeah. Tyler every Haycraft, year, man. Like, but every year, Katrina had a walk-on on the offensive line. Robbie Bell, Tobias Hughley. Like, yeah. you could go back. Like, that's been a thing for Louisville is they find offensive linemen. And, I mean, I'm not saying that the linemen before Haycraft yeah. were ready to play. But, I mean, look, you got Robbie Bell out of it. Like, I mean. You, yes, every guys, once in a while, you get a walk on who's just who just slips I, under the radar. But even a guy, I think you know, you know, who Tyler Haycraft is to me in this in in, in this rebuild, so to speak. He's Bilal Powell. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that couldn't see the field at all, right? But mm-hmm. then you get him out there, and it's like Jesus. Why wasn't this guy playing before? Mm-hmm. Dude, but like, it's not because he wasn't good. It was that they weren't. It was the the. It was a coaching. It was, yeah, it was. It was everything around. It's not like hey, this guy can't play. It said hey, the coaches don't really. They don't. They're not looking for these diamond and rough guys. Marshawn Ford is the best example. I mean, this guy oh, yeah. was – remember, they could have – they needed tight ends last year, and he's a walk-on freshman. Don't get me wrong. But they were playing Adonis Boone at tight end, you know, yeah. at the end of the season because, hey, you know, we, we don't have – we didn't have enough people. Yeah. Cool. For them not to even give him a sniff as a guy that, hey, we just need a second tight end when the season is lost. Right. Just go out there and play. And now you see what he can do, and you see the, the fact that, hey, not only can he do – what they need him as an H back, I think, and and the staff has said this, they could line him up at tight end. They yeah. feel comfortable. He, doing and it. he mm-hmm. should play tight end at some point. Yeah. I mean, so I I think that it's about, uh, you know, finding these guys that can do good things and figuring out a way to make it work in what you do. Right. And I think that the last staff did a poor job of that, obviously. But I got a mailbag question about this, and I talked about Rush East. Rush Wind East bag. Never quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you got to plug that. Rush East should have never been a quarter a cornerback. He just doesn't cover in space that well. What he does do is tackle really well. So put mm-hmm. him in safety and let him be a guy that can cover slot guys, cover tight ends, but mostly you're going to use him as a hammer. And that's what he does really well. He's done that really well this year. When they moved him, I immediately said, I, I remember this, I remember talking to Mark Ennis about it. He, he sent me a text. He was like, yeah, I just talked to a coach and he said that, yeah, Rush East has already started. It was like February. Mm-hmm. It was like, 
Yeah, man. I mean, I was like, I've watched them play all these years, and I watched App State play. Yeah. And they had a bunch of guys that can cover people playing mm-hmm. safety, but then you know what they really did? Came up and hit people. And I was like, Rush East, that's what he did in high school. Let right. Alone right. This, you know, the time is here. But what he didn't do well is run with receivers. Right. So stop making him run with receivers I, and put him in a better spot. I wish that I could go back and just be a fly on the wall when Brian Brown or Scott Satterfield, Dwayne Ledford puts on tape of one guy and they're like, what, you mean to tell me this kid didn't play last year? Yeah, like, yeah, he right, was exactly. playing cornerback? What? Yeah. Like, just to hear what they have to say because they're never publicly going to say anything bad about that. Yeah, the coaching staff. They've said some like things. It. They've said some things of like you know, basic like that. You know, they weren't prepared or this yeah. and that. But like, I would love to hear Brian Brown be like, "Look, man, cornerback <laughs> coach last year. What the hell is he doing playing Rush East at corner? He sucks. Like yeah. that that dude has no business being a coach. I don't really? even know who the cornerbacks coach yeah. was last year. Probably uh, Grant Ward. Lawrence Award. No, okay, no, that, well, no, he coached safeties. Yeah, it was, a, it was the guy that was there for one. Oh, year. was it Ryan Beard? Was no, he that? Beard was a linebacker coach, even though he had never coached linebackers before. Another yeah, I can't remember. Saying. I have no idea. It was great Grady Brown. Grady Brown. He was Brown, only okay. here for what six months, I yeah, guess. Yeah, right. But no, I mean, even you know, I, I think one of the things that really stood out to me when the when the new coaches came in, when they start, people ask about tight end and quarterback all the time because they didn't have any, right? When they first started talking about tight ends, Satterfield lit up. He was like, "No, I think we're good there." Yeah, and I, I'm like, <laughs> like, like I'll never like, forget when he said, "I was like." They have one guy on the roster. I was like, he's trying to be, you know, right. this coach speak. But he, right. but I kept coming back to it. I was like, this guy hasn't done coach speak at all since he's gotten here. He's always just been straightforward. And I think, mm. and I've said this, to, this this week, arguing with people about this Conley, you know, Cunningham thing. He's been so straightforward because he used to just talk to two guys. Yeah, down right. Dad and Boone. He's like, I'm mm. not used to, he's not used to having 15, 20 guys in a room asking him questions. He doesn't know how to just, you know, he doesn't know how to BS yet. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he even wants to BS. He's just like, yeah. Oh, I love listening to him talk, I, man. Yeah, I, I like both a, our guys. We're going to play them both. And it's that's like, a crazy concept to think right. about. Yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah, used to report, talking right? to two guys and not. You listen to the press, like, oh, I actually learned something this week. Like, cool. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He actually goes in depth <laughs> on like, hey, this is how we're going to attack. Virginia likes to do this, so we need to do that. And I'm like, oh, wow. And the game starts and it's like. Oh crap! He, he literally yeah, did what he what said he, he said. should do. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. Like it's it's nice. Speaking of press conferences, it has nothing to do with Louisville. But what do you think as a football nerd listening to Sean Watson explain defenses? Deshaun to, Watson? Yes, Deshaun okay. Watson. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this the last couple of weeks where oh, he great. he'll just start explaining a defense. And no, it's it, fun, it sounds man. like I mean, it's crazy because it, the, the the thing that's nuts about any athlete, but especially quarterbacks breaking out of defense like that, you see how much they have to process in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he's like, he's like, yeah, they're lining up like this, but they're running a robber down, you know, but, and I'm like, dude, he, that stuff happens after the snap. Right. Right. And it's crazy that he, he, you know, first off it's film prep because you, you see these things on film, mm-hmm. but defenses are all about disguising what you're going to do. So a lot of stuff doesn't happen until the ball is snapped and it's like, Oh crap. And that's one thing to kind of go switch the subject. They talked about that's what Clemson did to defend Louisville this year. And I wrote about how Clemson, how Brent Venables had completely figured out Bobby Petrino by 2017. Because Lamar's last mm-hmm. year, all they did was run four guys. They dropped a lineman, a defense lineman in coverage, and then blitzed the second level guy. They ran four guys at him, and they contained them the entire game. And you remember he, started yeah. throw, he threw that, that pick six. He couldn't tell. He couldn't figure that out. And it wasn't necessarily Lamar. It was the fact that the offense was just that easy to defend. Right. Well, I was wondering how they were going to defend them. I was like, they're going to have to try to take away the run, blah, blah, blah. All they did is get them in pass situations and give them a different coverage than what they showed before they switched the play. So you know how they, they look to the sideline, they do the check with me. Mm-hmm. They would change their defensive – they would change everything from the time before they looked to the sideline to the time they look back at them, they're in a different defense. And that's what that's Cunningham, wild. Cunningham said that as a game. He said after every time we look back, they, they did something different than what they showed before. So he pretty much, I mean, you know, you can call it out coaching, but 
you only have what you see. And if you're Satterfield, you're going to call the playoff of what Clemson shows yeah. you. So basically, Venables gets paid. Venables gets paid that much for a I reason. Mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's by far the best defensive coordinator in the country. Yeah. And people, I know everybody knows that, but it's like you watch these things happen, and it's like, yeah, this is why this guy. There's gets a reason, so much right? Money. Because he, you know, he came to that game. They played. He he's coached against Satterfield, Satterfield before, but just once. Right. And we've seen the offense. It's pretty multiple. They do they do some things differently, and they do a lot of different formations. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know what they're going to run based off any formation. And he's just like, you know what? We're just going to change it up. And I, I don't think it wasn't necessarily, hey, we're looking at what Louisville's going to do, and we're going to change something. He was like, we're going to get the upper hand and just change it. And now right. whatever they called is going to be it's going to be a different look. The quarterback doesn't know what to do now. And mm-hmm. I think they they succeeded obviously. Yeah. That's why it was eight for twenty two. Yeah, right. I mean they they killed Louisville. I mean in 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 those situations, and that's why he gets paid that much money. Yeah. All right. So assuming the team stays healthy the last four games, since you got to get out of here, what are you seeing like record wise? So yeah, realistically, I, I think realistically, I think. Today's going to be interesting to see how Miami plays against Florida State. I agree. I think they're going to lose. Yeah, um, same. I think they might get blown out. Yeah. Um, so if that were with that in mind, I, I think they went out. I really do. And oh, I think they're shit. Gonna, I, yeah. think, I think and Keith Wynn. Not only that. <laughs> winning the, out. To take this in the next step. And I, do, I hate doing predictions, by the way. So right. Yeah. No, I, I'm yeah. aware. That's why that's I specifically the name of, made sure to throw of, it in there before yeah, you That's left. the name of our so, podcast. Keith Wynn says they went out. So, <laughs> so not only that. Here, here comes the next part of it. If they do win out, they have a very, fairly clear path to the Orange Bowl if they win out. Mm-hmm. So See, I don't think they do though because it's, it's very, if, it's very Wake, simple. Even if you, Wake Forest loses to Clemson, it doesn't matter because it's it's not about the standings in the conference. It's no, about it's, who's about, it's ranked about, higher. Exactly. So, so here's, here's why the FSU is. gets hot. Wake Forest still is only a two lose team. Like, but Wake, but this is where rankings are always so fickle. When you lose matters so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wake Wake is going to lose later in the season. Mm-hmm. They play so, Clemson, and, and right now right. Louisville just, is just going to essentially move up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a very strong possibility that Louisville ends up jumping Wake, partially because of the loss, but more because they're going to lose at a bad time. Yeah. And Louisville's going up. Wake's maybe going to drop, and now you've got a situation where they, they and, might get the Orange Bowl. And the the Orange Bowl is Big Ten ACC. Is that right, or is it? Does it matter? I can't. I was trying to look at the conference affiliation, and I, know I that can't Florida find State anything. Played Michigan a couple years ago. So. Yeah. The most Louisville thing to happen would be we have one more win than FSU, and they still get picked over us for the Orange yeah. Bowl. See, I wouldn't even Reg- be mad. Like, <laughs> I, so I, I still remember that. I'm like, how the hell? Well, perception matters so much now. Right. People just dog Florida State no matter what. So I, I think they'll they'll end up not. They'll no matter what they do. I don't think it'll matter. But if they beat Florida. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a Maybe. possibility, yeah. but that's yeah, a big, which I don't think they're going to be for. There's, there's a 95% chance if Louisville takes care of business and they win out, Clemson take care, takes care of business and they win out and they win the conference championship, which they probably will, then Louisville's going to the Orange Bowl. 95% chance. And there, there are some extenuating circumstances, but I mean, that's that's. I think it'd be hard what has to happen. Because then you start getting the strength of the record and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like right now, Louisville's one of the few teams that has, what, three wins over 500 better teams. Right. Yep. Yeah. They have... Essentially uh, two top 25 wins. Yeah, I Phil mean, Virginia still, fell right out, but... Phil still did a really cool thing. It's uh, strength of... It's not strength of wins or whatever he called it, which more or less takes the teams you've beaten and how many wins they have. Right. Uh, and, and the only team with five wins that's had better wins, I guess, is USC. So, I mean... I think they're I think they're 17th in the country and like that that's that metric which I thought was really cool 
because uh, it shows are you beating teams with good records or are you just beating bad bad teams, teams right mm-hmm. I mean you know and you know all the you can look at all the advanced stats and all that and all those matter all I think I, I like to take all of them to into account and I think right now Louisville looks pretty good except for some of the advanced metrics haven't bought in yet beating a team like Miami who is loved by the analytics for God knows for whatever reason reasons, right that's a that's another. Uh, another notch in their belt, so to speak. So, I mean, right now, you know, I think they've have they have some of the best wins in the country. Uh, I think when you get down to it towards the end of the season, that stuff starts to matter more. People start looking at that, and that's stuff that the playoff committee apparently allegedly looks at. So, <laughs> you know, who knows what they actually do in those rooms? But they say that they take those things into account. Yeah. So now you got head head to head against Wake, and they you know they might rank a little higher just based off of that. Uh, and I'll, you only got to be one spot higher. That's all you need. So that's oh, it. And, and we're talking about the Orange Bowl. If yeah. they go to the Camping World Bowl, it's world. still a big deal. Like it <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter what yeah. bowl they play in because we were talking about can they win three games? Yeah. Right. Like yeah. if you would have told me we were talking to Orange Bowl after eight weeks, I'd yeah. been like, I mean, I was a four win guy. I thought that I thought that in part of that it was that you have Syracuse coming off ten wins, Kentucky right. coming off ten wins, NC State coming off a nine wins. You know, well, that's all the these thing we were looking at this. Good. Yeah, we were looking at the schedule. They and I'm like, like, they were going to be good. I'm like, Virginia's ranked, Syracuse is yeah. ranked, uh, yeah, Wake Forest is supposed to be really good. I'm like, yeah, we we couldn't, we could barely find five wins on the uh, schedule. Looking at, we well, looked at five or six. Is that so high point? Yeah. I think going into the season, um, and I, I know we had on uh, Barton Simmons who who kind of had the same. He echoed the same sentiments that. He really thought that Louisville would get off to a slow start, but in a rebuild, you start seeing uh, the fruits of your labor come come you know to fruition basically towards the end of the season. Plus, the four teams that Louisville played to finish the season, one's coming off a big time coaching change, and the other three lost everybody. So he so that's why he we had him on because he predicted what six and six is that right? No five or five and seven, yeah. and we were like whoa. But they went. Yeah. He had them win in their final three games, and we're that's like right. what? Yeah. Like you would think that you don't think that they're going to be able to beat Florida State or be able to beat Boston College or Wake, but you think that they can beat Syracuse? And at the time, we're talking about yeah. top twenty five Syracuse, not Syracuse that gave sixty two points to Maryland. Yeah, like we're talking about completely different hypothetical situations. Yeah, and I and I think that. You know, I, I wrote a piece before the season started talking about more or less the way that Louisville can win games is if these teams have, you know, issue X, Y, Z. Right. Mm-hmm. And and even I didn't see Syracuse being this bad. No. Yeah. I didn't see NC State. NC State was a team that I thought they were going to beat. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to be the better team beating them, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, I thought, right. hey, they could beat them because we have better coaching, so to speak. Right. So I, I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know, and in, in UK, I was like, you know, UK is bringing back some offensive talent. And their defense is going to be bad, but their defense has been statistically bad. But they're still only giving up twenty-seven points a game, and yeah. that's the name of the game. As much as I hate it, I hate scoring offense and defense as a stat. Right. But when it comes down to it, if you can hold people to twenty-seven points, in in this day's game, you know, this day and age, that's pretty good. Yeah. You're probably going to win some games, and that's what UK is doing. So they've they've really that that post I wrote really kind of came to truth because it's really about. It's a little bit about Louisville, and I think they're playing much better than we expected. But some of these teams on the schedule have so many issues that it was like there's no way they're going to have this type of issue. Right. Virginia's offense shouldn't be nearly as bad as it is. They lost a couple guys, but they still have one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Right. Not playing like it. Right. And they're not really the the scheme doesn't work. You know, they're not they're not pushing the ball down the field. They're not doing anything dynamic. Yeah. So you know, it's really working out for Louisville. But I I, I will say I, I don't want to take anything away from them because that Notre Dame game, the first half I was like, oh wow, this is this is way better than I thought. Yeah. Right. And they still hadn't even started throwing the ball very well. But yeah. when they start running the ball well, I was like, this is the whole offense. Well, like, everything yeah. plays off. I just can't remember a season 
before this where as a Louisville fan, you looked at the season, you're like, all right, this is going to be you know pretty tough. And then somehow, it never seems like it's our team, but the season just like, the schedule just unfolds oh, yeah. for you. Yeah, they had the ninth, I think it was the ninth ranked schedule in the country, Louisville did at the beginning of the season, just based off of expectations. Right, and, and then you just start be. seeing these know, other teams we're going to play. Like, oh yeah. I mean, it was, and they it had was the, crazy. Yeah, they had the second, I know that David Hale had them as the second toughest schedule in the ACC. Yeah. I forget who I mean, number one just, is, but right. yeah. You started looking at that, and it, yeah, it, it's totally flipped on its head. And they, and the thing about it that's great is that they've beaten the two teams on the schedule that are having a good year. Yeah, you know, beating Wake, yeah, right. especially on the road, was was huge. And then beating Virginia, who might not be as good as they were early yeah. in the season, but, but they're, I still think they're still solid, very yeah. good. And I think right. they still have a really, really good defense. That yeah, defense doesn't have the talent that Clemson does, mm-hmm. but from a scheme standpoint and fit, and right. and and Virginia's defense is a good example. I'm kind of bouncing all over the place, but no, you're, of you're what good. Louisville wants to be down the road fit guys that do what they need them to do well and they're gonna that's what we're gonna see from louisville especially on defense is hey we're gonna get guys that can rush the passer in this situation can play in in this role play in that role and they're we're gonna start seeing that and it's gonna be oh wow somebody got injured next man up no big deal and that's Mm -hmm. what you want and virginia does it really well uh and it's funny because virginia and boston college are similar to me from a recruiting standpoint you know they, they 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 struggle a little bit but Boston College doesn't have a pass rush right now, even because they lost their best pass rusher. There's mm-hmm. nobody else behind them because they can't recruit that well. Right. Virginia loses a guy, and it's like, hey, it's no big deal because they recruit guys that fit what they do, and they know how to get athletic guys to do it. Their their two deep, uh, outside linebackers are six five and six seven. They can play the edge yeah. really well, you know that, and that's what they want them to do. They play them tight. They 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 stop you from running the middle. But if you try to run outside, hey, these guys can reach you. Louisville did a great job of running option against them. And they, Mikael Cunningham was open all the time. So I thought, I, you know, it's one of those things where you look at how this coaching staff has done with what they have. They're just going to get better because they're going to get guys that fit everything that they do. And it's not going to take nearly as long as I thought it was. Yeah, there are right. guys coming in next year. They're going to be able to play and contribute. And you lose a guy, it's not that big of a deal. And we talked about injuries. It's really rough right now, but. I don't think they'll have an issue going forward. Right. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Chubby Purdy's going to start at QB, according to Keith Winden. <laughs> All right. That's well, what I took out of that. Keith, man, I appreciate your time. I know you got to get out of here. Thank you so much. Uh, it was good actually getting to meet you and, and talk in person. So yeah. hopefully we'll do this again at some point. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely. four more weeks. Like it, The season is... It's Somehow almost fast. over. I know. Like, there's, there's two bye weeks, and it feels like the season's faster. Oh, we, we're in the final month of the season. Yeah. yeah. Last year, I couldn't remember. Yeah, last year, I thought the yeah. season lasted like a year and a half. Because yeah. I'm like, God, we have four more games of this crap left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And the, and it's really weird because college football is over for the most part by Thanksgiving. Like, I mean, there's yeah. there's like one week after I think, and then you're and then you're done. Last year was kind of funny because I remember at some point, for a reason, last year I chose to start doing film reviews. No clue why I decided to do last year, but. At one point, I was like, you know what? I could probably just not write anything for the rest of the year, and nobody would matter. Nobody <laughs> it's would so funny because so for, <laughs> nobody would care. Right for us, we don't own our site. Like we we are, I guess, we managers of it is right. how you would call it. And and we have the same conversation. Like, why do we have to keep writing about these games? It's <laughs> yeah, like, we have to hit a certain amount of content per month, yeah. and there's just not enough overall to write about basketball. We have to write about football. Yeah. And I'm like. Let's just not put that much effort into it because no one's, re- no one's <laughs> reading it. So every headline would be like, Louisville went back to practice hard this yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny because this week got one of the mailbag questions is about how much I write on the site. And I was like, honestly, if, if I just told Mike, hey, I'm taking a week off, he'd be like, all right. You know, it's like yeah. it's not a big deal. But it's, right. it is funny. Like last year, 
I think at one point it was like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like I'm running film reviews of games that got beat by like the seventy seven to ten. Like, why am I doing this? Like yeah. you no, know, like people are like I know like some people were reading them. But most of the comments are like, "Why are you doing this to yourself?" Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm already watching. I'm rewatching it. I might as well. Like, I'm just cutting up some gifts, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah. He's just responding. He's like, "You can reach me out at Football Masochist on Twitter <laughs> on, <laughs> on my film reviews last year." But this year has been fun. I mean, it's it's been cool, and and I, I'm I'm excited to have the staff that can do so many different things, and and it's just it's just insane because it's so simple. Well, and I'm glad you started the film reviews last year because. As I've gotten really into them, and you've gotten better at like uh, breaking down like the gifts, uh, like per play, mm-hmm. and then explaining them, that is so much more helpful when we're looking at an offense like Satterfield's this year, because yeah. there's so many things going on. Yeah, yeah. So when you break it down and explain it, I can take it as my own to to tell Jacob during the game and actually sound like I'm smart and be like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be the slot guy running behind him creates an instant triple option in the backfield. <laughs> you know, they have no idea. Yeah, the Notre Dame game, you kept just screaming, there's the orbiter! There's the <laughs> orbiter! I, yeah, I like read one article, I'm like, oh my god, our offense is genius. This is nuts. Uh, and all became like, yeah, so your breakdowns now are, are, are super, well, super great. I will, I will plug one thing. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, go ahead. Yeah, please. I want to pull the Sean Evans. What, so, tell the people what you want to tell <laughs> oh, them. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so, right. So I'm the deputy editor over at carchronicle.com. Uh, I, I stick to football because, you know, all you guys know Mike Rutherford, he dominates basketball. I don't really want to, you know, get you know dunked on by him by <laughs> trying to write about basketball. So, uh, But today I actually dropped the fourth quarter uh, uh, video or uh, film, film review from the Virginia game. And an interesting thing you'll notice is that they ran the same running play over and over and over again, just out of different formations, mm-hmm. and Virginia can't, couldn't stop it. So it's one of the wrinkles with Satterfield's offense that I love is that it's very simple, but you're, you know, it, they, make you, they make the defense stop it, and they do a lot of things visually that make it hard to know what they're going to do. Right. So, you know, I, I thought that was really cool. They start using motion. They start moving Marshawn forward. But then they just run the same play with the, of a different formation, and it worked. We saw Javon Hawkins just salted the game away. So, right. uh, if you guys want to check that out, it's it's up it's up on the site. Yeah, I'm actually uh, retweeting it right now. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, there you go. Well, check it out. Well, and speaking of Twitter, yeah. you gotta follow Keith. If you're a Louisville fan, you don't follow Keith on Twitter, then you are not tweeting right. No, it's it's, like, it's you're you not know, twitting I, right. I think I've I've followed you for a couple of years now. I mean, I think that you know there's a lot of good media people in Louisville, but what you do, you found a niche in terms of being able to break down film. No one's out there. Like you're not gonna find Rick Bozich. Like here's what they did on third <laughs> and seven. Like there's a there's a need for that because there's not a lot of people who know football. That's a complicated sport. And what you're doing is you're you're putting it into layman's terms for people, and it's enjoyable. Right. Yeah, I bring a little spice to uh, spice to it, like Rick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I was Mike drop. I really thought about dropping a seasoning joke just a second ago. I'm like I'm like I'm not gonna do that to the guy. I had to. It's, 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 you can't. That, that picture will never go. That's like wow. an infamous tweet Man. around Louisville. I mean, that went viral yeah. for all. <laughs> it really did. He thought he was doing such a nice thing. Look at this so thrill. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, it's 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 fun. I, it, you it's know, I, it's it's kind of just randomly that I got this mailbag question, and I I, I just kind of describe to people. I started this thing as just kind of a fun thing, or like to pass the time. I used mm-hmm. to work third shift, and I didn't have anything mm-hmm. to do. And then you know, it's gone from that to like you know, doing things like this, being yep. on you know ESPN Radio, and my brother in Florida mm-hmm. saying that's cool, man. I got to hear you on the radio. Like I never thought I was gonna do mm-hmm. radio. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. So. Right. Uh, it's been cool, and 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 you know, like I said, it's it's fun to do. I like doing film breakdowns. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Right. I have no. I don't know. It's just fun to 
figure out what happened because yeah. a lot of times that's what I'm doing. I'm not, you know, I'm going through, I'm watching it, and I'll, I'll watch the gift, and I'm like, oh wow, that happened. I'm like, okay, well, I, I missed that the first time around, and mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to show that because there are a lot of people. I I started doing this because. People didn't know. People used to be so disrespectful when Louisville would lose a game. I can't believe they lost this game. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start writing breakdowns of the opponent to show that hey, these guys, they're on scholarship too. Their coaches yeah. are millionaires too. Like everybody can lose a game, and it's kind of right. turning this this kind of new thing of just kind of being able to, you know, enlighten some people on, on football. Right. Well, Validate like, some positivity. Yeah. Like, sometimes. Great example was like that Tutu Atwell like 70 yard sprint or whatever. But then I watched it five times, and then. Finally, somebody was like, you guys need to see this Marshawn Ford block. Yeah. And then I watched right. it again a whole different way, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, I missed it. Yeah. You miss it completely because you're focused on You're watching the eye yeah. candy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the same yeah. thing with the – if it wasn't for the penalty against Boston College, the Tyler Haycraft block in the back of the end zone would have been another one of those plays that people were not watching, and then somebody tweets a video of it, and you're like, holy crap, man. Yeah. Right. Like, there's so much stuff you miss, yeah. and you're – yeah, you're the yeah, perfect guy that can actually, find the gyms. Uh, there's yep. a Marshawn Ford appreciation post up on the site also. Marshawn, <laughs> Marshawn, well, he, he, po- he, he posts some gifts of Marshawn Ford making these huge blocks. Oh, and I mean, just a super underrated player. And yeah. Just another example of how this staff has really done a great job this yeah. first year. And you know, obviously going forward, there's there's a lot to be positive about. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, Keith, appreciate it as always. Follow man. Keith on Twitter. He didn't give the at. Yeah. At Keith underscore win, W-Y-N-N-E. Um, and yes, you will thank us later. Uh, Keith, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. We're going to come back. We're going to talk yeah. a little basketball. Yep. Um, but let's get Keith out of here. And uh, stay tuned, guys.